in this podcast, I've kicked everyone else out of the room and I've gone solo, I've gone rogue to convince you that working on your weaknesses is a waste of time. So we're going to talk about talents, strengths, weaknesses, and where and how you can invest in each of those to get yourself closer to your goals and to achieving success. Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. All right, controversial opinion. Working on your weaknesses is a waste of time. Now, this would be a really different discussion if I was talking about physiology, but I'm talking about your personal strengths and weaknesses. And the point I want to make is that you'll gain a lot more from building on your talents than investing that same amount of effort into improving your weaknesses. Therefore, working on your weaknesses is a waste of time. So a few quick little explanations and definitions before I make my case. Talents. I am talking about your natural innate abilities and they're like reoccurring patterns of thoughts, feelings, um, behaviours that can be productively applied. When I talk about strengths, um, I think it's important to differentiate a talent from a strength. A talent becomes a strength when you can apply it in a way that consistently gets a successful or near perfect performance or a desirable outcome in an activity or situation. So I'm sure you can think of a lot of people that are talented, but they're not able to apply it in the right way or apply that talent consistently to get a reliable or desirable outcome. When I talk about weaknesses, it's you know challenges, things that you struggle with, anything that gets in the way of success. Um, they're specific skills, thoughts or behaviours that prevent you from achieving your desired outcome. And when I say it's a waste of time, I mean you won't get closer to your goals or a particular achievement or success. So I really believe, and I'm going to back it up with some evidence, that it's more beneficial for talents to be the focus and the investment of your time, energy, resources Um, And weaknesses should just be understood and managed. Um, So some examples of um, and some evidence of the power of investing in talent. The first one was an experiment to look at different teaching styles, teaching methods, and whether they could improve um, the speed of children's reading. So they they tested them at the start, had three different teaching modalities and then tested them to look at um, any changes or improvements in these children's speed reading. And what they actually found was that it didn't make any difference. There was no significant difference between the three styles of teaching. But quite curiously, um, the children that tested fastest at the start made far more 
improvements, like a high percentage improvements throughout the study. And it was massive, something from like 300 words per minute at the start to almost 3,000 words per minute. And the children who tested, you know, moderate or low still made improvements, but percentage-wise, nowhere near the scale um, that the children who were already faster to begin with made. And that was sort of, I guess, curious to the researchers. Um, And the first time that they started looking at, okay, if we invest in people who are already good at something, um, they seem to get significantly better at it. It was the first time they looked at the strengths approach within uh, teaching and, and management and the potential impact that could have. Um, the, the other study that I found quite interesting is actually about a chain of breweries in the UK. So you, um, UK researchers, um, were working with a major brewery, brewery in the 1980s and something like, I don't know, more than 7,000 pubs they had. So this company, what they used to do when a pub was declining in its sales, um, they'd give it a bit of a refer, a bit of a spruce up. So new carpets, repaint it, um, potentially like new equipment and stuff, bar equipment. Um, and what they found that there was sort of an increase in the productivity and the revenue of that pub around 10 to 15% after they had invested in the, the refurb. And the management believed that the the increase in revenue afterwards validated the investment they were putting into the refurb of these low producing pubs even though quite often like a year or two later those low performing pubs became low performing pubs again and that initial increase in revenue was sort of gone again so the researchers then questioned management and they were like, well, why do you only refurbish your low-producing pubs? Why not um, spruce up the high-performing pubs when they get a little bit worn down too? And apparently initially the Brits were like, well, that's a very American way of thinking. We don't think it will work. But there was one area manager who was like, well, you know what? Good question. Let's test it out. So he agreed to refurbish eight of his high-volume, high-performing pubs as well as eight of the low-performing pubs. And the outcome was that the percentage increase um, between the two was, like, completely different. So the eight high-performing pubs, on average, became seven times more profitable with the same amount of, like, investment and effort in the refurb than the low-performing pubs. And if you think about that, like, they were already outperforming them the low-performing pubs quite significantly. So then to do seven times more than that is huge compared to that sort of 10 to 15% increase that you're seeing on the low-performing pubs. And so then they started thinking, you know, the practical wisdom there, investing in the strengths, even though the more conventional approach was always to try and fix, fix the deficits, And then they went one step further and they were like, well, how can this be? Like, why is investing in something that's already going quite well makes substantially more difference? And they actually found that uh, the successful pubs, a lot of their success was due to the talents of the individuals working there. So they were able to sort of um, negate the differences in location, 
competitors and, and all other factors and honed in that the, there were talented individuals working in the pubs and that's what drove the profitability of the successful pubs. And when they invested in that by giving them, you know, a touch-up new paint and new equipment and, um, yeah, investing in the talent of the people, those people were able to excel even further. So that's compared to the low-performing pubs who didn't have as talented people working in them. It didn't matter that they invested in those people. It, it wasn't able to make as much of a difference. And so I think about that often with um, our team and people that I come into contact with and think, you know, if you have people, someone has a strength and, and they also have a weakness. And so maybe they're plus 10 in one area and minus 10 in another. I would rather help that person take their plus 10 to a plus 40 than to help them take their minus 10 to, you know, a zero or a, a plus 10. And it takes the same amount of effort to take someone from 10 to 40 or 50 than it does from negative 10 to zero. Because of course, working on your weaknesses takes more effort. It's less enjoyable, um, doesn't come, come naturally. So I think when we become aware of our talents, we've got that strong platform and then we can, we can look ahead and view our potential, all the things we could achieve. And it's kind of that difference between looking at uh, what do I need to work on to get up to par versus look at what I'm talented at, look at what I have the potential to achieve. The result is getting someone on par or helping someone go above and beyond and maybe achieve things that others uh, can't even possibly do. People who don't have the talent could never achieve those things. Um, For myself and for others that I work with, I think it's far more beneficial to help people um, go above and beyond standard rather than just helping them get to sort of base level on par um, passable in the areas of weakness. And it is human nature to critique ourselves. Um, Often when we think about our own growth and development, it's our instinct is to look for mistakes and opportunities for improvement. And we focus on the the steps that we missed or the skills that we lack or the information that we get wrong. And that's a very conventional approach and it's quite a natural sort of biological approach that definitely has some uses, but not not necessarily to personal development. So that conventional approach is maintain your strengths and sometimes take them for granted. You know, I'm good at that. I'll always be good at that. Let me work on fi- fixing my weaknesses. Um, whether that's physical management, relationships. And so we sort of are in this cycle of identify improvement areas and then develop an improvement plan. And then once we've done that, let's identify other improvement areas and and then put that plan in place. And potentially the reason that this isn't great is it works on some poor assumptions. And those are, I guess, that... um, maybe assuming that you can learn most, if not all behaviors to a level of excellence. And that's, that's just not true. Like I was saying before, with just getting up to par. If it's a weakness, your improvement plan is very, very unlikely to take you to excellence in that weakness. More often than not, it's just going to take you to a very base level. Other poor assumptions, I think that uh, if you try hard enough, you can master anything. 
again, just not true. Um, and the other, the other assumption is that fixing weaknesses leads to success. And there's a lot of, um, psychological and, um, you know, business organizational psych evidence now that shows otherwise. So the way most of us approach our personal growth and development actually limits our opportunities for greatness because we're focused on our weaknesses or areas of improvement. So the conventional approach to development appears logical and it appears simple in that, you know, like I was saying, identify areas that need improvement and then have your improvement plan. But focusing our energy on getting better at things we struggle with even though it's like a common sense approach and it seems logical that improving problem areas will result in increased success and performance excellence, that's not the case. Um, Strength-based development, however, kind of flips that on its head and it's the notion that a person's talents do more than just make them unique. Um, Our greatest talents and, I guess, the way that we already naturally think and feel and behave, they're our like innate potential. That's where we have power and they are your opportunity to do things that not everyone else can do. So when we can tap into that, you can be more efficient, you act with more uh, confidence, you've got direction, self-belief and you're far more productive. So strength-based development starts by focusing on what you already do well and then we're going to take that to a new height and it emphasizes that and building on the strengths to help individuals become more productive. So rather than that conventional approach, a strength-based approach to personal development is focusing on your talents and turning them into strengths and managing weaknesses, just being aware of them and, and managing them. So the cycle then becomes identify talents, develop strengths. And this works on the assumptions that you can only learn some behaviours to a level of excellence. Um, It assumes that people contribute their best in very unique ways um, and that fixing weaknesses prevents failure, but building strengths leads to success. So we want to make sure that your weaknesses aren't getting in the way, they're not affecting other people. So that's what the management is about. But really to be highly successful you have to invest in your talents and be strengths focused so to give maybe a bit of like a um, real life or a management example we might look at someone um, in our team and how and compare how investing in their talent versus focusing on their weaknesses could play out differently so say you've got someone in your team Um, they have a particular talent with people. They're a people person, relating and engaging with people just comes so naturally to them. They're chatty, they're funny, they're engaging, highly relatable. Their weakness is organization and task prioritization. Now, the conventional thinking in managing that person, and, you know, depending on their role, but Conventional thinking is I could spend all my time trying to teach them to become more organized, how to prioritize, and I just take for granted that they are a people person. I don't have to spend much time working on that. You're already good at that. Keep doing what you're doing, but you need to focus on your organization and your task prioritization. So 
If we flip that and now use a strength-based approach, first, I'm going to make sure those weaknesses are understood and managed. So does this person understand what their talents are, but understand that they're weak, maybe in organization and task prioritization? And then in managing it, how can I shape the role to minimize or even remove the need for organization and task prioritization in their role? So can we set in stone some prioritization of tasks, um, leave someone else to organize their, their day? So we set it, they follow it, and they don't have to even try and use the skill of organization and prioritization. Let's take that off their plate. And I think it's perfectly okay to manage a weakness by helping them avoid or have to do as little as possible of that thing. Um, if you can, if you have that flexibility in your workplace or with an individual to do that, why not take something that they're not good at off their plate? That's the power of, of strengths-focused. So then if I look at investing in this person's strength, I want to make sure that they acknowledge and highlight their talent, that the same way that we had potential as you know a manager or a leader to take their people skills for granted, I don't want them to take their people skills for granted either. I want them to feel empowered and um, confident that that's something that not everyone can do and that they're special and that's, that's how they contribute to the team going to help them learn and understand the power of that talent and how it influences their behavior, how being people orientated um, might influence their decision making and their, uh, their actions. I want to highlight how it might complement everyone else within the team. So we might have other, other team members who are highly organized and great with task prioritization, but less so with those people skills. So I'm going to highlight to this people person how important it is that they are bringing the skills to the team because not everyone has that and it's important that they're there and they know how important and valued those talents are to me. I would look for ways to shape their role that allows them to spend more time with people. So maybe instead of kind of thinking that every time they're just chatting to clients and you know, not looking organized because they're so busy with engaging with people, that's not unproductive. We're in a people business. So if I can shape the role um, in a way that them engaging in their talents and working with people and relating to people and, um, you know, fulfilling that aspect of it meets a, you know, like a business task or outcome, that's really beneficial not only for the business's projects and goals and things, but for that team member um, being able to contribute in a way that is playing to their strength. And then I guess we want to look at how can we start to change their behavior using their talent. So perhaps there's a way I could help this team member understand how some of the tasks we know within that uh task prioritization, organized checklist that we might have provided them with. If I can help them understand how each of those tasks impacts a client or another person in our team, that might help them use their natural talent as a people person to execute tasks and follow the prioritization 
list because I'm shaping things and I'm giving it to them in terms of their strength and their talent. So to to sort of sum up, I guess, I'm trying to maybe change your thinking that instead of having a really clear list of these are the areas that I need to improve in and this is what I'm not great and I need to focus on, do you spend as much time on those things as you do on things you're already good at but taking them to a new height and to a new level? How well do you know what your talents are and are you able to apply your talents consistently and in a way that they become strengths. So I always like to hopefully leave you guys with a takeaway or something you can do. And I think if you have an awareness of your talents and your weaknesses, sit down, take some time and look at which do you invest more time, energy and resources into improving. That first step in investing in your talents is uh, awareness. So when a talent kicks in and you notice that you're using your talent, take notice of it, really hone in on it, acknowledge it, praise yourself for using it. Hey, I'm really talented at that. You know, that's awesome that I'm using my talent. Not everyone can do that. That's me. Awesome. You'll gain confidence. You start to turn that talent into a strength. Every time you're aware that you're applying it, you'll apply it more. You'll get more consistent and hopefully if you're applying that talent in the right way, you get better outcomes, you're getting closer to success and that's when it really becomes a strength. If you're in a leadership position at work or perhaps even with your clients, try out focusing and investing in the talents of the people around you. So instead of taking for granted what people are good at, take note of it um, and, and just watch the impact when you praise it, point it out to them um, and what sort of outcome it has when instead of only addressing areas of improvement, you start giving them the opportunity to take things they're already good at and get even, even better at them. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.